Hi, and welcome to Com Church Talks. This is our sermon of the day. We pray it will be a real blessing to you. I know you'll be encouraged, challenged, and uplifted by the talk you're about to hear. Amen. So we're gonna. I think I'm gonna skip the video. Yeah, we. Um, this is uh, the fourth week now. Who who's been here any time in the last four weeks? Put your hand up. Anybody know what we've been talking about, or has it all gone over your head? Anybody? Beatitudes. Yeah, somebody was awake. Um, so I'm I'm doing the uh, the last three beatitudes this morning. So uh, if you want to turn with me quickly, we're going to get straight into this. Let's turn to Matthew chapter five. And we're going to go to verse 10 and 11, and they should come up on the screen for those of you who are too lazy to bring a Bible to church. I'm, I'm kidding, you've all got it on your phones, I know. So we're going to read from, uh, starting at verse 10. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and false, falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Amen. You know, that's powerful just in itself, is it not? So this morning, we're going to take a little look about what persecution is. Um, I think a lot of us have got an idea about what persecution is, but I think it runs a lot deeper than we think. So I just wanted to just have a little have a little think about that. I mean, I feel fairly persecuted by the heat in here this morning, to be quite honest with you. It's really cold. Um, in fact, this morning, <laughs> I, 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 I said to Ollie that I, I put the wrong socks on. I got these little trainer liners on and my feet are so cold, I should have put my thermal socks on. And Ollie goes, I should have put my thermal pants on. Um, both of which are true. So if you've brought both of those things today, then you're the warm one. So what, what is persecution? The, um, the dictionary says that Persecution is hostility and ill-treatment received as a result of either your race, political or religious views. You know, it's, it's when you have a view and the other person doesn't like your view, so they, they, they have contempt towards you and they show it in some sort of way. You know, and I think persecution um, is, is factually, the, uh, in Christians, the most persecuted religious group worldwide. We are the most persecuted religious group. And in fact, an average of 255 Christians are killed every single month worldwide. And to put that into perspective, that's probably about all of you in here today. So in a, uh, in a, in a room like this, this, this is the kind of number every single month, this number of Christians are being killed because they put their faith in Jesus Christ and they're not afraid to say it. On top of that, this is, this is quite shocking, 180 Christian women are raped, sexually harassed or forced into marriage every single month. You do the maths, that's thousands of women every single year. And 66 churches just like this are attacked and burnt to the ground every single month. You know, these are facts. You know, I'm not, I'm not making this up. This, this stuff is, is cold, hard fact. There's probably even more that they haven't documented every single month. And, you know, in terms of biblical persecution... The Bible talks about persecution being suffering for Christ's sake. You know, Jesus says you'll suffer, you'll, you'll, see, you'll, you'll receive persecution because of my name. When, when we live with the righteousness of Jesus inside of us, we will see persecution. But you see, persecution isn't just uh, those being tortured and killed. 
You know, that, that's, that's the extreme. But many of us here today will be persecuted at work, at school, at college, by our neighbours that think we're crazy, by our friends at school who, you know, torment us because of our belief in Jesus, for our work colleagues who can't understand why we don't go out for a drink with them on a Friday night, for those of you who your friends can't understand why you won't sleep your way to a promotion, those people who don't understand why you choose not to work on a Sunday, you know, that's all persecution. And I, I, I think we'd be hard-pressed to say there's not one person in here who's never received any form of persecution. Because when Jesus is inside of you, he comes out of you. You know? When you're so filled with the Holy Spirit, when the righteousness of Jesus is present in you, when your righteousness meaning right living, when you choose to live the way that Jesus intended you to live, people don't like that. You know, the world doesn't like that we, we're not the same as them. The world wants you to conform But actually, when we choose to live as Jesus did and choose to live in the ways he does, people don't like that. You know, people want you to be a certain way. You know, we're persecuted because our belief in Jesus doesn't conform to the godlessness of a sinful world. You know, this this, this world is, is not like we are. But 1 Peter 3.14 says, even if you happen to suffer for doing what is right, you'll have the joyful experience of the blessing of God. You know, we can, we can be joyful in our persecution. And I was thinking about this. I was thinking, well, when I got picked on in school for being a Christian, it didn't feel very good. It, it didn't feel very joyful. And there's people here today that are like, well, it doesn't feel very joyful when my work colleagues make fun of me or when my friends at school make fun of me or when my neighbours call me weird. And I just want to get you thinking today. That's all I want to do. I want to get you thinking about how, how do I find blessing in the midst of the, uh, the persecution that I face? And it, you know, it's not just persecution. Verse 11 says, when people insult you, when people falsely say things against you, there's people here that have faced all sorts of allegations, things that have been said against them that aren't true. You know, and I know, especially for people that are in church leadership, that happens all the time because the enemy is constantly trying to un- undermine and unpick the work that God is trying to do. So I think I'm speaking to everybody this morning. I don't think there's anybody here that hasn't faced some kind of persecution in some measure. I think the fact that we live in this world that has so many unbelievers in it and has so much demonic activity, um, it will pretty much guarantee you'll be persecuted. You know, especially if, you know, well, if you're living for Christ. And I, I think sometimes I'm not, I can't say for sure, but I think sometimes if you're not necessarily facing any persecution, you maybe just need to get your life back in check with Jesus. And I'm not saying there's always going to be persecution, but if you're not seeing any opposition, it probably means you're not running in the right direction. You know, if you're on a sports field and you're running back towards your own goal, you're not going to meet any defenders, are you? You get what I'm saying? He that is within you will become clear to those around you. But people will always reject what's different about you. You know, whether that's your Christianity, whether that's your opinions on Brexit. I'm not going to preach about that. Don't, don't worry. Whether it's about whether you're a vegan, you'll definitely tell us if you are. Um, 
But people will always reject what's different about you, will they not? Because people don't like you when they can't put you in their box. But, you know, we need, we need to break out of that. We can't start, we can't live our lives trying to be inside other people's boxes. Because it's about what's important to you, not what's important to them. And what's important to us should be what's important to the Lord. Okay, so we're going to look a little bit. I wanted to pick a case study to kind of unpack this because it's all been well me, me saying, hey, be joyful. Don't, don't, don't be sad that you're getting beaten up. Don't be sad with, you know. But actually, we need to find a case study. So we're going we're gonna to have a little look at Acts chapter 6 uh, and Acts chapter 5. We're going to talk, we're going to look at the story of Stephen. I'm going to paraphrase this for time, but feel free to just open your Bibles to Acts chapter 5. So Stephen, I think most people will know is, known as the first martyr in Scripture. He's the first person that died for Jesus' sake. He was the first one of the new believers. And I want to start at the beginning of this story because I find it really fascinating. So, so the way the story goes, at the beginning of Acts chapter 5, it talks about how the disciples are all gathered together and they basically say, look, we need more, we need more people in planning centre. We need more helpers because we, we need to be preaching the gospel, but there's all these widows that need feeding. There's all these orphans that need feeding and we, we can't spend all our time doing that because you know, we need to be out preaching the gospel. So, they, so they, they, they put out a, an advertisement in the local paper and they say, we're looking for people that are, you know, they're godly, they're holy, um, because we need people to help us. So Stephen's picked, and Stephen's the only one that's mentioned by his attributes, and it, it says that he was full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. You see that the thing about this is Stephen was persecuted, but Stephen wasn't on the ministry team. Stephen was in hospitality. He was the one serving the teas and the coffees. While they were out preaching, he was the one that was back feeding the, feeding the widows. You know, and I think there's people here today that perhaps think that they're, I don't know, maybe they're irrelevant because they're not up on the platform preaching, that they won't see their fair share of blessing because they're not the one on frontline ministry. But I tell you, Stephen was the one that got persecuted and he was the one that died for his faith and he was back at the, the HQ feeding the orphans and the widows. So don't discount the fact that you might not be doing the big show. You know, so Stephen was selected. You know, I, I just, I just, yeah. Sorry, I'd really just feel that the measure of your persecution is not by the measure of your greatness of position, but by the greatness of your heart. You know, because we're persecuted because of His righteousness. So the more right we are, the more right we are with the Lord, the holier we are, the, the, uh, the closer we are to Jesus, the more persecution we're going to face. Because the enemy takes out people that he sees as threats. You know, you face persecution because you've got something inside of you that the enemy doesn't want getting out. You know, you've got a plan written over your life. You've got a purpose and a destiny written over your life that the enemy doesn't want to come to fruition. So that's why we, we receive persecution because he's trying to unpick, he's trying to unravel the, the, the purpose and the destiny that's placed on our lives. And the closer we are to Jesus' heart, the more we know his purpose and his, and his plans, therefore the more, the more um, persecution we're likely to face. It's not always true, but it's often true. So the story of Stephen, it goes on to say, now Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. Now I like to think of this like Stephen's there in the soup kitchen 
He's handing out the soups. He's handing out the teas and coffees. And he's just saying, let me just pray for you quickly. Let me just pray, let me just, let me just pray for healing on you. And the person walks out healed. You know, he's not, he's not up there on the platform preaching his sermons. He's just living the power and the grace of God in his everyday life. In the, in the thing that he was positioned to do, in the job that he was positioned to do, he was there. He's just living the message of Jesus. He's preaching the gospel as he's doing his job. He's preaching his, his, his message when he's out in his workplace. He's preaching his message when he's in the schools and the colleges. You know, I, I want to tell you this morning that wherever God positions you, that's where your purpose will be. That's where your purpose will be. That's where your preaching will be. That's where your prayer will be in the position that he's placed you. Amen? Is anyone getting this this morning? Opposition arose, however, from members of the synagogue of the freedmen, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria and the provinces of Cilicia and Asia who began to argue with Stephen. But here's the thing. They could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. You see, when you speak the word of God through the Holy Spirit, the world will not be able to stand up against your wisdom. Because the Bible says, who can know the mind of our creator? That even means Satan. Satan doesn't know the wisdom of God. And, and the only two things he has are lies and deception. So when, when, you, when you speak the word of God in faith, when the spirit is flowing through your body and you speak a word of knowledge to your friend or a, a word of wisdom into a situation, you know, the, the unbelievers, they can't say anything back. They can't argue. You know, they, 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 they might try to, but actually the truth that is inside of you is true. You know, the word of God is always true. You know, it's, it's eternal. It's the same yesterday and today and forever. The word of God is always true. But the thing I want to challenge you with is sometimes... It's very easy in the midst of persecution and people accusing us and saying horrible things about us to actually start to, do we really believe what I just said? Do we believe the word of God over our lives? Do we really believe that? Because it's very easy when you have opposition to start doubting yourself. But I want to tell you that the word of God is always true over your life. That you live with Jesus inside of you and he is the word. He is the living word. He is always true. He is always faithful. So what happens is these, these guys, they realise that they, they can't really deal with Stephen and they've got nothing. So what they do is they take to, to, to lies and deception and they, 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 they persuade a couple of people. They say, can you just sort Stephen out for us? Um, and they say, we have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. So they stirred up the people and the elders and the teachers of the law. They seized Stephen and took him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witness who testified. This fellow never stopped speaking against this holy place and against the law. I bet there's people here today that have had false things said about you. I think there's people here today, specifically in your workplaces, people have said false things about you and it's because of your faith and it's prevented you from going forward. It's prevented you from seeing what you need to see. I just, I just think there's people here today that need to know that God's got you where he's got you. He's got you where you need to be. And he also says in his word that he won't let the righteous be forsaken. He won't let the righteous be forsaken. So they, 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 they kind of have this little, this little rally and they, they stir up these things and Stephen gets kind of trapped. And what happens is Stephen, undeterred by the fact that he's probably going to get killed, doesn't, doesn't decide to run or to try and fight his corner. He just speaks the gospel of Jesus. He, he tells them the whole, basically he recounts the whole story of the Jews from the beginning up until the point when Jesus comes. 
And he says, look how far God's brought you. But what he says is, um, he says, you have received the law that was given through angels, but you have not obeyed it. He's basically saying, you guys have got this all wrong. You've totally missed the point that Jesus came and you killed him. You did it. You messed it up. You know, he's not afraid. He knows that he's going to provoke these people. Like, he's not stupid. But instead of kind of running away or kind of, hey, oh, that's not what I said. You know, instead of denying Jesus, denying the call, he just carries on anyway. And what it says, verse 54, we're still in, we're in chapter six at this point. Verse 54, when they heard these things, they were overtaken with violent rage, filling their souls, and they gnashed their teeth at him. Wherever we heard gnashing of teeth, yeah. Um, But Stephen, overtaken with great faith, was full of the Holy Spirit. He fixed his gaze into the heavenly realm and saw the glory and splendor of Jesus, who stood up at the right hand of God. In the very midst of Stephen's persecution, in that moment where they're hurling insults, where they're, where they're, where they're, he's, they're about to kill him, he sees Jesus. He sees Jesus. You know, is that not the, is that not, what we want in our faith is to see Jesus, is to see the manifest presence of God. You know, we were singing a song just now, show me your glory. And Jesus is saying, you've got to look for it in the hard places. You know, sometimes the glory is not going to come in the easy places. It's not going to come when you're sailing on the, the wave of success. You're going to see the glory when you're down in the pits and you still choose me. That's when you're going to see the glory of God. That's when you're going to see Jesus. That's when Jesus really turns up. When you're in the pit and when you can't choose any other way but to choose him. You see, Stephen at that point still wasn't, he wasn't looking at the fact he was about to be stoned. He was looking at Jesus. How many of us in the midst of our persecution choose to blame God or choose to get angry with the people that are accusing us or choose to get bitter and resentful? How many of us actually need to turn our gaze towards Jesus? Because the, 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 the passage in Matthew says, blessed are those who are persecuted for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What's interesting in this passage is that it then says that the, when they hear it, the Pharisees put their hands on their ears and they start screaming at the top of their voices. It's like when, when, when sometimes when you speak the word into someone's situation, the darkness inside of them is so strong that they can't even come to hear what you want to say because everything inside of them is trying to reject it. It's like the Pharisees, everything that they were about, their identity was based around the fact that they were upholders of the law. Stephen is basically trying to unravel everything that they believe in. He's trying to say, you guys have got it all wrong. So when their identity is under attack, when everything that they care about is under attack, they're like, I can't hear this. I'm rejecting this. And there's people here today that have got unsaved spouses, that have got unsaved brothers and sisters and sons and daughters and friends and family. And you've been speaking that truth into them for so long. But I tell you, the darkness inside of some people, the work of the enemy in people's lives is so strong that sometimes they can't hear you. They won't hear you. But what's interesting about Stephen is that he, he, he lets his righteousness 
be the witness to these people. It's the fact that he doesn't compromise himself in that moment. He doesn't do what Peter did and deny Jesus. He sits and takes it and he lets his righteousness be a witness to those people. And there's, 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 there's something that the Lord is saying today about how your righteousness is going to be a witness to people. The people are going to see your right living. They're going to see the things that you do for Jesus. Not necessarily the words you say, but the things you do. And they will see that as their transforming moment. I really believe it. I believe we're going to come into a season where the prodigals are going to return to him. I really believe it, church. But it's going to be your righteous living. We need to get back to a place of right living, of purity. And, the, and people will see that. And then they will see the Father. You know, sometimes being persecuted is the most powerful thing you can do. You know, even if you're not a Christian and you read stories about modern day martyrs, you can't help but think, wow, those people really believe in what they believe in if they're prepared to die for that. You know, even the world understands the power of a martyr. So the Pharisees, they, they, kill, Jesus, uh, they kill Stephen and they throw their robes down. It talks about how they throw their robes down at the feet of a young man called Saul. It's like they're trying to impress this guy. And um, we know that Saul is, turns into the, uh, the most feared persecutor of the Christians and that literally ha starts happening in the next chapter. But it's the first time that he's really mentioned with, in regards to persecution. And what, what strikes me in this moment is that Saul is there and they're, they're, he's with them kind of rallying them, throwing all these stones and calling and spitting and pointing. And Stephen in this moment, he just says, Lord, don't hold this against them. Forgive them, Father. They don't know what they do. You see, even in the midst of Stephen's pain and suffering, he saw the call that was upon Saul's life. He saw that this man was destined for more and he, he stood in the gap for Saul's salvation in that moment. I like to think that he saw that and he was like, Lord, forgive him. He doesn't know what he does. He stood in the gap because he saw that his, Saul's destiny was greater than he knew right in that moment. And I'm challenging you today because it's really tough. Don't get me wrong. When people start accusing you, when people start throwing things at you, when people start trying to call you names, the last thing that you want to do is pray for them. But we need to take Stephen's example because when we start to believe for people's salvation at the point when they're persecuting us, things start to turn around. And it's only about five chapters later when Saul starts to step into his destiny. You know, and I believe that something, sometimes for us, we can't see five chapters ahead because we're living in the now. But we need to start believing that people are persecuting us right now, but they still have a destiny too. And it's our duty to pray for them. The Bible says to pray for those who persecute us. How many of us are prepared to pray for the person that throws stones at us or tries to unpick what we're doing? It's tough. It's really tough. The next chapter is interesting because very quickly it basically says that the, uh, the disciples are, are troubled by what happened to Stephen and they, they're scared of Saul and they, they all flee. And some of them flee to Samaria, a place where 
you know, as, as, as Jewish converts, they probably wouldn't want to go because we know they didn't really like the Samaritans. They end up going to Samaria and uh, crowds were eager to receive the message and they were persuaded by the many miracles and wonders he performed. You see, when Stephen died, he triggered something in the disciples because they were quite happy to stay put in Jerusalem. But if he didn't die, then they never would have made it out and they never would have made it to Samaria and those people never would have heard the word of God. You see, that's interesting that sometimes the Lord will let you go through the persecution because it will propel you into your destiny. Sometimes you need to go through that to get you out of the place of comfort to the place where he needs you to be, you know? And actually, that triggered something of the greatest revival that this world has ever seen was because Stephen died and those disciples, they left and the gospel spread. You know, when you're persecuted for his sake, he will turn the situation for his glory. If you're being persecuted today, it means that your heart is aligned to the Lord's. His ways are your ways and his righteousness is your righteousness. I like to think that, you know, the enemy is attacking you because he sees you as a threat, but that also means that your breakthrough's around the corner because he's not gonna, he's not gonna attack someone that's not worth attacking. You know, it says later, it says later in Acts about how um, uh, the enemy is kind of talking and he says, I, I knew Jesus, I knew Paul, but I didn't know you. And I think there's some people today that the enemy doesn't even care about because you're redundant, you're not doing anything. But there's people here today that the enemy sees as a threat. And, and, and at the moment, you, you're, you're having a hard time at work, you're having a hard time in your marriage, you're having a hard time in your, in your community, you're having a hard time at school, but it means that you're on the edge of your breakthrough because the enemy is doing everything that he can to unpick what the Lord is about to do. We can't lose sight of that, you know. Joseph wouldn't have made it into Egypt if he hadn't been persecuted by his brothers. Sometimes the Lord needs, he uses that persecution to take you where he needs you to go. Joseph wouldn't have made it, you know, he wouldn't have been picked up by the caravan had he not been thrown into the well. You know, he wouldn't have, he wouldn't, if, if he hadn't been persecuted by Potiphar's wife for his righteousness, for the fact he wanted to be righteous, he wouldn't have got thrown into jail. And if he hadn't been thrown into jail, he wouldn't have been able to interpret the dreams of Pharaoh. And if he hadn't been elevated by Pharaoh, he wouldn't have been able to deliver those who persecuted him in the first place. You know, this is awesome. This is awesome. You know, I think, there's a, I think we're going to have testimonies in, in a few months' time, in years' time, of people who have prayed for those who persecuted them and became the very delivery tool that the, that the Lord used to deliver those in the first place, those who persecuted them. There's going to be people here who bring their, their colleagues from work along to church who are going to get saved. I really believe in this place, there's going to be colleagues set free. There's going to be unsaved relatives set free and you are going to be used. You're going to be the tool that God uses to do that. But we have to be humble, church. We have to humble ourselves because it's so easy to, to think that we're better than those people. But do you know what? Righteousness isn't, isn't a... Um, righteousness doesn't mean that, we can, that we're better than someone else. It just means we choose to live by a higher standard. You know, sometimes I think, you know, we slip back into pharisaical thinking. You know, we think, oh, we're, we're, we're better than you because we choose to live this way. That's not true. They don't know Jesus. They don't know there's a higher standard. But we have to humble ourselves, church. 
I really believe that there's going to be a, a wave of God that's going to break through. If we choose to humble ourselves, if we choose to accept that people are going to hurl insults at us, but it means there's something great coming and God is going to use us to do it. Thanks for listening to Com Church Talks. We'd love to hear from you and you're welcome to any of our Sunday services or midweek comms. For more information or to get in touch, visit our website at www.comchurch.org.uk or find us on Facebook. God bless.